Well, turning your Bibles to Revelation chapter 20, we're continuing, of course, our study of the book of Revelation. We're seeing the end time events. It's really interesting and exciting. And of course, we know it is close to the end times. And of course, we all know that every day gets closer no matter what, but the bottom line is things are really shaping up. And just as we look at the world, we're really ready for our Savior to come. In our study on the book of Revelation, we're seeing end times, the return of Christ to the earth to set up the kingdom. That's where we are. And we've seen so many amazing things. Jesus comes out, as we looked at Revelation 19, beginning at verse 11, into chapter 20, Jesus comes out of heaven, riding on a white horse, judges the world. He's dealt with the, the beast, the false prophet, and Satan. And as we continue looking in Revelation 20, verses 4 through 6, we see the time of the kingdom. We looked at that actually before Christmas. We looked at Revelation 20, 4, 5, and 6. Believers are ruling with Jesus Christ. But this morning what we're going to do, we're going to do something a little bit different than I normally do, but we're going to stop and we're going to take a look at the kingdom. Because really when you look at Revelation 20 and verses 4, 5, and 6, that's all the verses that deal with the kingdom in the book of Revelation. But if you realize that in other parts of the Bible, it gives us more information information. This a thousand year reign of Jesus Christ on this earth. We want to see some things. We want to raise some questions. We want to see how it all fits together. So it should be a lot of fun as we go through it. And we'll do it fairly quickly this morning so you can see how it fits together. You know, at Stillwater Bible, we encourage believers to study the Bible, to dig the Word of God for themselves. In fact, we have a method. We also call it observation, interpretation, application, how you get in the Scripture for yourself. We have a bookmark. I just happened to bring one up here this morning. There's some out on the table. You may have never really realized this, but it is a bookmark. On one side, it just says rightly dividing the Word. On the other side, it has observation, interpretation, application, and it shows you what questions do you ask when you observe, what things do you look at when you interpret, what things do you do when you apply? So we tell people, look, get this, keep it in your Bible, keep it where, and whenever you're studying, if you're saying, oh, I forgot some of that, just turn it over and look at it, and and then it'll help you. So uh, we've got some out on the table there and out on the table there as well. And we we look at God, the Bible, and we call it uh, God's perfect word is alive and powerful and sharpening two-edged sword. It's the truth. When we study the end times, the book of Revelation, and the book of Daniel, we see that these are all literal great truths. Let me just remind you of what we've been seeing in the flow of end time events. We realize that, of course, this is the Old Testament. Jesus Christ came the first time to die on the cross, pay for sin, rise again, ascend it back into heaven. That's called the first coming of Christ. We are in the church age now. In Revelations chapters 2 and 3, uh, deal with the church age. Talks about them. Then in chapter 4 and 5, John is taken up into heaven, and we think it was symbolic that the next event will be the rapture where Jesus Christ will come in the clouds. Dead in Christ will rise first. We are alive and remain to be caught up together with them. Church will be taken off the face of the earth. We said after that, there'll be chaos. They will. And uh, there's going to become a ten-king federation, and then a three-king federation, and then one king. And that one king, we're going to know him. We know him. The Bible in Revelation calls him the beast. We know him as the Antichrist. He's going to come to power and make a peace pact with Israel. When he makes the peace pact with the nation of Israel, it starts a seven-year time period. It's a seven-year peace pact. And we call this, and it's called the tribulation. The first three and a half years called the tribulation. The last three and a half years called the great tribulation. Uh, he starts off with peace, and then there's war, and then there's famine, and there's death. And halfway through that tribulation, the Antichrist puts an idol up of the temple that looks like him. And 
and he has a false prophet, and they claim he's God, and he has to be worshipped. And from that point on, it's terrible. And we've already seen in the book of Revelation the seven seal judgments, the seven bowl judgments, the seven trumpet judgments. We've seen all of those things. The next event, which we saw right before Christmas, is Jesus Christ coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 19, 11, Jesus comes as the King. And then, right before Christmas, we saw in Revelation 20, verses 4, 5, and 6, the thousand-year reign of Christ. So we've been seeing that. And then after that, of course, is going to be Jesus, there's going to be a, a battle at the end. There'll be a thing called Great White Throne Judgment in eternity. Eternity is Revelations chapters 21 and 22. So we're going to see all that. That's the flow of the events. And Jesus Christ is ruling as we're stopping this morning and going back and look at verses 4, 5, and 6. We're going to see the kingdom. And so last time we looked at Revelation 24, 5, and 6. This morning we want to see how it fits together. And so in order to do this, I'm just going to raise some questions uh, about the kingdom because if you read Revelation 20 verses 4, 5, and 6, and we've taught that, you would say, that doesn't give us a lot of information. It just basically says that believers are going to rule with Christ for a thousand years. That's what it basically says. So let me, I've got some questions that we're going to look at this morning. We're going to look at what is the kingdom? How long is the kingdom? Where is this kingdom? Why is it a literal kingdom? kingdom who will be in who will be in the kingdom and who will not be in the kingdom what will the this kingdom be like what will believers do in the kingdom and how do we enter the kingdom so there's a whole bunch of questions some of them will just take you know, just a minute to answer some of them will go a little bit more details so let's just start because it's, it, it basically it says they'll rule with Christ for a thousand years they'll reign with him there's going to be a kingdom he'll sit up and rule on the throne so we start off with the first question is what is the kingdom the kingdom is the time in God's plan which we saw earlier that the son the son of God Jesus Christ is going to come to the earth and rule on the throne of of David in Jerusalem so it's this time period right here we've uh, we've seen in the Bible, the Old Testament, we saw in the scripture Jesus' death and resurrection. We're in this time period right here. The next event is the rapture. Then there'll be the tribulation and then the kingdom. So the kingdom is the time in which Jesus Christ, who came the first time to die, he comes the second time to reign. The kingdom is the time that Jesus Christ rules on this earth as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Revelation 19.11, the heavens open and Jesus Christ comes. Revelation 19.16 actually says this. He says, I, and on his robe, and this is Jesus coming, and on his robe and on his thigh he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And that's who he is. He's coming that way. It's a special time in which Jesus Christ will rule on the earth. We may say, wonder why God wanted to do that. Well, let's think all the way back. God created the heavens and the earth. In six days he created everything. And then he created a man, Ish, and named him Adamah, which means dirt, Adam. And then... He created Isha, that's the woman, out of the man. And they were there, and God said, Adam and Eve, but her name wasn't Eve at that point, but he said, you rule the world. You're the king of the world. You have dominion over the world and all of these kind of things. And so Adam actually was the king of the world. And it was going to spread out. They were going to be fruitful and multiply and spread out, and he would rule the world. We know that Satan came and tempted, uh, deceived Eve, and Adam sinned knowingly, and they fell. And when they fell, guess what? Satan 
became the king of the world. He is. He's the king of the fallen world. He's called the God of this age. He's called the prince of the power of the air. He has dominion. God allows him to have dominion over this world. And that's why it's such a, we say it's such a fallen world. And it is. Satan controls the world system. The world system affects our flesh. That's what we have. Satan has become the king of this world. And God allows him to do that. But one of these days when Jesus comes... As the king, in the, it will end the rule of Satan, and then Jesus will become the king of the world. That's why he's going to come rule on this earth, and other reasons as well. We'll see him in a little bit later, but that's what he's going to do. The first Adam failed in the garden. The last Adam, Jesus, will gain the victory. And so the kingdom, when you say, what exactly is the kingdom? The kingdom is a time on the earth when Jesus Christ uh, rules the world as the king of kings and the Lord of lords on this this earth. The second question is, how long is the kingdom? Well, it's obvious that when we read Revelation chapter 20, we see it. It may surprise you that all the way through Scripture, when it talks about the kingdom, and Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is at hand, and John the Baptist said the same thing, and the Old Testament saints were looking forward to the kingdom, and even the uh, apostles, when Jesus was about to leave, they said, Lord, Lord, is it time for you to restore the kingdom? Nowhere in Scripture up till the book of Revelation does it tell us how long the kingdom is going to last on this earth. Well, in Revelation chapter 20, six times in seven verses, God tells us the kingdom will be a thousand years. Notice verse 6, Blessed and holy is the one who has a part in the first resurrection. Over these the second death has no power. They will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Uh, verse 2, uh, Satan is bound for a thousand years. Verse 3, thousand years will be completed. Verse 4, they will reign for, with Christ for a thousand years. Verse 5, blessed and holy, uh, they don't come to life till after the thousand years. Verse 6, thousand years. Verse 7, when the thousand years are ended. So in the book of Revelation, in six verses, or in seven verses, six times it tells us a thousand years. And so we see that. Some people believe, well, it's, it's not real. But remember, we look at the Bible from what we call a historical, literal, grammatical interpretation. And we take this as literal, unless it just doesn't make sense to take it literal. When he says a thousand years and he says it six times, we believe that the kingdom will be a thousand years long. The third question is, where is the kingdom? The kingdom is on this earth. And Jesus will rule from the city of Jerusalem. It's on this earth. And and because they, they we're going to see that later on in Revelation 21 and 22, which we're going to get to pretty soon, we're going to see God makes a new heaven and a new earth. So the kingdom is on this earth, and Jesus will rule from Jerusalem. Look at this right here. This is Isaiah. Remember, we have to go to different places to get this information. Many people will come and say, come, let's go to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. He may teach us concerning his ways, that we may walk in his paths. Now, Isaiah's talking about the kingdom, and he says, for the law will go forth from Zion and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. Jesus Christ will be in Jerusalem as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That raises the fourth big question that you want to think about, and that is, why is this a literal kingdom? Now, I want you to understand, there are people out there who don't believe it's a literal kingdom. In fact, they don't take the Bible literally in a lot of places. And in this passage, it says a thousand years, Jesus Christ will rule on this earth for a thousand years. Some people say, well, it's not real. Uh, We put up some charts long before Christmas. It was when we were looking at how the kingdom fit together. And there's some people who are called amillennialists, which means they don't believe there'll ever be a kingdom. They don't believe there'll be a rapture or a tribulation or an antichrist 
or a kingdom. They just, they, they just say it's not real. None of that is real. Other people say that all the things in the book of Revelation happened in the first and second centuries, which doesn't match, of course. We hold to what we call a historical, literal, grammatical interpretation. And when it says there's going to be a kingdom, we believe that there'll be a literal kingdom in this earth. But I want you to understand that God promised a literal kingdom. And we talked about this one of the times, so this is not new, but we talked about it. When did he promise that? Well, first of all, God's promise to King David. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 17, David wanted to build a temple for God and a house for God. And Nathan, the prophet, thought that was good. Yeah, sounds good. But then in a dream, God sent an angel to Nathan to tell him, no, 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 tell King David he's not going to build a temple. His son will build a temple. He won't build a temple, but I'm going to build a house for him. And so Nathan comes back to David and says, you're not the one to build it, but God's going to build a house for you and a kingdom for you and a throne for you. And he says, when your days are complete and you lie down with your fathers, I will." God is saying, I will raise up your descendant after you who will come forth from you and I will establish his kingdom. Now, this kingdom is the, a kingdom that's coming and you might think, well, it could be Solomon. It could be the any others. No, it's an eternal kingdom. Notice, your house and your kingdom shall endure before me forever. Solomon didn't last forever and Jeroboam and Rehoboam and all the rest of those guys uh, did not last forever. Your throne will be established forever. There's going to be a literal kingdom on this earth where Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Now let me tell you something. The thousand year reign is the kingdom, but in the book of Peter, Peter says that's also there is the eternal kingdom which ties in with Revelation 21 and 22. Jesus is going to always be the king and this one is going to be on the earth. So, that's why the promise to David, and that's why when Jesus was on the earth, Jesus was called the son of David. And listen, if you call Jesus the son of David, he knew exactly what you meant. If you called him the son of David, he knew you believed that he was the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You remember the blind men that were there and they were shouting out to, to as Jesus was walking by, they kept going, son of David, have mercy on us. And everybody was telling him, be quiet, be quiet. And they kept shouting out, son of David. As soon as Jesus heard that, he stopped. He knew they were believing that he was the greater son of David who was set on the throne of Israel. He went and said, what do you want me to do for you? And they said, we want to see. And he said, you can see. And they could see. So the promise to David. There was also the promise to Mary. We talked about this because it was de dealing with Christmas time. There was a promise to Mary that she would have a son. Notice, he will be great. He will be called the son of the most high. So her son, a child, a human being, will also be the son of God. He's the God man. And the Lord God will give him the throne of who? Of his father, David. He's going to have the throne. He will reign over the house of Jacob. How long? Forever. And his kingdom will have no end. God made a promise. It's a literal promise. There would be a literal king kingdom. And that's why we say, is, is there a literal kingdom? Will there actually be a time where Jesus Christ will rule from the earth? The answer is yes. God promised David and then Mary that his, that the, his son would sit on David's throne. And when Jesus comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he will go to Jerusalem. He will sit on the throne of King David. And we're going to talk more about it in a minute about where, where is David going to be there? What about King David? What about us? Where are we going to be? What's going to be? What's going to happen? So that takes us to the next question, and that is, who will be in the kingdom and who will not be in the kingdom? And, I, and all of us are sitting out there going, well, I'm, I want to make sure I'm in the kingdom. I want to be in the kingdom with Jesus for sure. So simply put, 
all who had believed in the Old Testament, every person from Adam and Eve all the way up to, let's just say the time of Jesus, all the way up to the time of the church beginning in Acts chapter 2, all who had believed in Jesus Christ, all who had believed in the coming Messiah and this by faith, they have believed they will be in the kingdom. Those who have believed in the church age, that means beginning from the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2 on, all of us, any of us who have believed in Jesus Christ for eternal life, we've trusted in him, we will be in the kingdom, any believer. And then those who believed in the tribulation, you remember that when the rapture comes, uh, it will all be taken out and there won't be any believers on the earth. But as the, as the tribulation begins, 144,000 Jews are raised up, and then people will begin to believe all over the world, and there are going to be a lot of people who will believe in Jesus Christ during the tribulation. Many of them will be killed, but, and, and some will be alive, but they all who believed in the tribulation, they will all be in the kingdom as well. And so it's going to be a, a really special time. So look, look at this. All the Old Testament saints, they'll be raised to go into the kingdom the church age, we've been raptured with Jesus, we're with him, we're going to come down with him and go into the kingdom. All of the tribulation saints, those who died, will be raised to go into the kingdom. Those who remained alive, who had believed in Jesus and escaped death, they will go into the kingdom. So when somebody says, who's going to be in the kingdom? Uh, it's going to be a little bit unique and we'll talk more about it in just a second. So let's start with the Old Testament believers. From Adam and Eve and Cain and, and Abel, and some would say, is Cain a believer? We don't know. Uh, he, he offered sacrifices. He came to God, but now he offered sacrifices in the wrong way at one time and ended up killing his brother. So, you know, we look at him and go, we know he was godless, but that doesn't necessarily mean he wasn't a believer. So we don't know. But then, uh, you know, Enoch and Noah and Moses and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and David and Daniel, all through uh, Isaiah, you know, uh, all of those people, uh, those will all go into the kingdom. And uh, their bodies are in the grave. When Jesus Christ comes at the second coming, they will be raised. That's when they will be raised. Let me show you this. This is Daniel 12. Now at that time, Michael, the great prince, that's Michael the archangel, who stands guard over the sons of your people, he's talking to Daniel, he will arise. There will be a time of distress such has never occupied since there was a nation until that time. That's the tribulation. At that time, your people, everyone is found written in the book, will be rescued, the book of life. And many of those who sleep in the dust of the ground will awake. Those to everlasting life are those to disgrace. They're going to be, when Jesus comes as the King of kings and the Lord of lords, setting up the kingdom, the Old Testament saints, Daniel 12, 2, they will be raised to go into that kingdom. It's amazing. Well, what about us? That, that's Old Testament saints. We say, well, they're, they're, you know, we, we figure that Noah and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and Joseph and Daniel and David and, and Saul and, and Jonathan and, you know, Isaiah and Ezekiel. And all, you think all of those people, they, surely they've all believed. I mean, they were all used by God. They'll be in the kingdom. Well, what about us? Well, first of all, we're the church. We, we were raptured. Before you get into the kingdom, we've already been taken off the face of this earth. We know that Jesus Christ will come in the clouds and will be taken off the face of the earth. Look at this. Uh, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first, those who have already died. And those who are alive, who remain, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and thus will always be with the Lord. Now, that's the rapture. 
and we'll be taken off the face of the earth, and that's before the tribulation. We talked about it all the way through the book, that the church is not part of this. The tribulation is the final seven years for the nation of Israel, and the promises of their 490 that God promised them in the book of Daniel. The church, we're the body of Christ. We're taken off the face of the earth, and we're coming back with him. When we are with Jesus, when he comes, you remember this verse, Revelation 19, 13, and 14, he is clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which are in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, were following him on white horse. That's us. We're coming back with him. We're coming back with him. We're going to be coming with Jesus when he comes back. And we saw that in Revelation 19. The heavens opened. He was riding on a white horse. He's called Faithful and True. He's, he's got a, blood, a robe dipped with blood. He's called the Word of God. We're the armies in heaven clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And by the way, when you, when you study it carefully, we see that this fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. You know, so we're all coming back with him. So if he said, Old Testament saints, when Jesus comes to come set up the kingdom, they're going to be raised from the dead and come back with him. When we are coming back, we've already been, already been raptured and raised. We got glorified bodies. We're coming back as well. And, and then what about the tribulation saints? What about the people who died or made it through? And we'll talk about those who died. First of all, you've you got to read this verse carefully. Notice what it says. I saw thrones... And they sat on them, and judgment was given to them. Now, who is that? That's all of us. We're sitting on thrones. They didn't notice he also saw something else. I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony of Jesus and because of the word of God, and those who had not worshipped the beast or his image, had not received the mark on their foreheads and on their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. Those are believers in the tribulation, who refused to take the mark of the beast, who believed in Jesus Christ, who didn't take the mark of the beast, didn't follow him, couldn't buy or sell, ran for their lives, and most of these were killed and put to death. They were killed in the tribulation. Now, there's one other thing that we don't always think about, and I mentioned it a while ago, and that is there will be believers in the tribulation, in the, in the tribulation that were not killed who will go into the kingdom also. Now think about this. The Old Testament saints, their bodies are in the grave. They've been with Jesus. When Jesus comes, the second coming, they will be raised and they'll go into the kingdom in glorified bodies. We already have been raptured, have our glorified bodies, and we come back with Jesus to set up the kingdom. The, the believers who were killed in the tribulation, they will be raised, have glorified bodies to go into the kingdom. So the Old Testament saints, the tribulation saints who were killed, and the church all go into the kingdom in glorified bodies. That means we don't reproduce, that uh, we don't have the flesh anymore, uh, and we will rule with him. But what about the people that made it through the tribulation as believers in regular bodies, they will go into the kingdom in regular bodies. Now, that tells you something that's weird that we've never really experienced, so to speak, is that during this thousand-year reign of Christ, there will be a whole bunch of people, Old Testament saints, tribulation saints, uh, uh, church, who have glorified bodies, and then there'll be people who have regular bodies. And what will they do? They will be married. They will have children. They will have offspring. And over the thousand years, there will be people born in the kingdom in regular bodies. Now, it's going, to be, it's going to be unique because we won't have a flesh. We won't have a bent to sin because then with a glorified body, we don't have that. They will. 
And you might say, how do we know that there's people are there? How, how do we know wh what's going to happen? Well, if you remember, at the very end, we haven't got to it yet, at the end of the kingdom, Satan will be loosed and bring together unbelievers against Jesus. And you could say, well, wait a minute. What are the unbelievers? The Old Testament saints have glorified bodies. The church has glorified bodies. The tribulation saints who died have glorified bodies. Oh, the believers who made it through the tribulation with regular bodies are going to have offspring. And these people, believe it or not, many of them will reject Jesus Christ. Now, you look at this, that there's a kingdom where Jesus Christ is ruling in Jerusalem as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. There will be people born in that kingdom, and they will reject Christ as Messiah and Savior. In fact, it won't be a few of them. It'll be a lot of them. And you may say, how is that possible? Well, no matter what situation God puts us in, there are always going to be people who reject, whether it's the garden, whether it's under the law, whether it's under the church age, whether it's during the tribulation, whether it's the kingdom. It doesn't matter. There's going to always be those who reject. And, and watch what happens in Revelation 20, verses 7 and 8. We haven't got to this yet. This will be next week. When the thousand years are completed, at the very end of the thousand years, Satan will be released from his prison. He's been bound for a thousand years and will come out to deceive the nations, which are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog. It's called the second battle of Gog and Magog, to gather them together for war. Nations, who are they? The number of them is what? Like the sand of the seashore? The groups that will, at the end of the, of the kingdom, there will be... So many people, he says, they're like the sand of the seashore who reject Jesus Christ and come with Satan to attack. Now, we'll see next week what happens to them, okay? So when we think about the kingdom, we see that the Old Testament saints will be there in glorified bodies. Church age will be there in glorified bodies. Tribulation saints who, got, who died will be there in glorified bodies. Tribulation saints who made it through will be there in regular bodies. And then there'll be people born during that time. Well, what's going on? Well, Jesus will be ruling. I want you to see this. Look at this. Blessed and holy is the one who has part in the first resurrection. Over these, the second death has no power. They will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him for a thousand years. Jesus will rule for a thousand years. Now, what about King David? Because Jesus is taking the throne of David. Well, what about David? David will rule under Jesus in Jerusalem. Do you realize that? Look at this. Ezekiel 37, 24, my servant David will be king over them, over the Jewish people. They will all have one shepherd and they will walk in my ordinances and, my, and they keep my statutes and observe them. Look at Jeremiah. They shall serve the Lord their God and David their king whom I will raise up for them. You realize that Jesus rules from Jerusalem and David rules under Jesus. But we're not through. What about the Jewish people? The 12 apostles will rule over the Jewish people. Look what Jesus said in Luke. You are the ones who have stood by me in my trials. This is my Father who has granted me a kingdom. I will grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So you got Jesus as the king. you got David underneath Jesus. You've got the 12 apostles and we don't know who the 12 are. We know 11 of the 12. We assume, we all assume that Paul would be the 12th apostle, but we don't know for sure. We just don't know. And they'll, he'll be ruling. 
and all the other believers throughout the world. You'll be ruling somewhere, wherever. It may all be in Oklahoma. It may be somewhere else. You have been raised up by God. You go into the kingdom. You have a glorified body. And based on when you stood before him at the judgment seat of Christ, uh, at the uh, uh, judgment seat of Christ, if he said, well done, good and faithful servant, you'll have places of responsibility to rule in the kingdom as well. That takes us, and we're just looking at time. We have to go a little faster. That takes us to who will not be in the kingdom. Well, the beast won't be in the kingdom. And the false prophet, the beast is the antichrist, the false prophet. They've already been cast into the lake of fire. And Satan won't be in the kingdom because he's going to be bound in an abyss. And unbelievers, the unbelievers will be killed when Jesus comes back. It's called the separation of the sheep and the goats. Verse Revelation 19, 21. And the rest were killed with the sword, which came from the mouth of him who sat on the horse, and all the birds were filled with their flesh. So who won't be in the kingdom? Satan won't be in the kingdom. The beast and the false prophet won't be in the kingdom. And the unbelievers won't be in the kingdom as we start the kingdom. Quickly, what will the kingdom be like? The earth will be changed. There'll be no more curse. You know, the earth is cursed now. I mean, it's beautiful. You see sunsets and flowers and trees, and it's just a beautiful place, but it's fallen. It's cursed. And Romans 8 says, thus the creation itself will be set free from its slavery to corruption into freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know what? That the whole creation, this whole world, groans and suffers the pains of childbirth until now. It's got to come. It's going to happen. Look what's going to happen during the kingdom. Animals will be together. Look at this, Isaiah 11. And the wolf will dwell with the lamb. And the leopard will lie down with the young goat. And the calf and the young lion and the fattened steer will be together. And a little boy will lead them. And the cow and the bear will graze. The young will lie down together. A lion will eat straw like an ox. Nursing child played by the hole of a cobra. A weaned child put his hand uh, in the viper's den. They will not hurt or destroy. And on my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the water covers the sea. During the kingdom... Animals won't eat each other. Animals won't eat us. It's, like, it's just going to be totally different. The curse will be gone. The capital of the world, we already mentioned it in, Revel, in uh, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 3, is in Jerusalem. Guess what? There'll be no war. He will judge between the nations. He'll mediate for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning knives. Nation will not lift up sword against nation, and never again will they learn war. That's not going to be any war during the kingdom. And finally... Jesus rules with a rod of iron. From his mouth comes a sharp sword so that it may strike down the nations. He will rule them with a rod of iron and he treads the winepress of the fierce wrath of God, the Almighty. Okay, quickly, what will we do? What will believers do in the kingdom? We'll serve based on the gifts, talents, and abilities that, that, uh, that we've had and how we use them for God's glory. In Daniel 12, 2, it says they'll be raised, and it goes on and talks about how some will have, have basically rewards. In the church age, 2 Corinthians 5, 10, we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ to be rewarded for the things we've done in this body, whether good or worthless. We're going to all be rewarded and have places of responsibility. Tribulation believers, Revelation 20, verse 4, they've been raised up, and they get to rule with Jesus Christ. So what, what are you going to do during the kingdom? You're going to serve Jesus Christ, and you're going to serve him based on how you served him here. This is the key thing. How you live for Christ now, when you stand before him, and he does say, well done, good and faithful servant, he will give you places of responsibility to serve during the kingdom. And some people say, well, it doesn't matter. We're all going to be the same. No, we're not going to be the same. We won't be the same in the kingdom, and we won't be the same in the eternal state. And we'll talk more about that as we get there. So the last question 
is this. How do, enter, how do we get to the kingdom? It's faith alone in Christ alone for eternal life. It's the only way. Salvation is not by our works. It's not by our goodness. It's not by what we do. It's not by our faithfulness. It's by us not keeping doing things. It is simply trusting in Jesus Christ, believing in Christ for eternal life. That's what it boils down. Jesus died and rose again, paying for sin, conquering death, and all who believe in him have eternal life. Notice, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, gave him to die and rise again, that whosoever believes in him, that's the response to believe in him, shall not perish, but what's the offer? But they will have eternal life. It is that simple. Jesus died and rose again. Whoever believes in him has eternal life. Eternal life is going to be with him forever, not only in the kingdom, but the eternal state. We know that the first resurrection is called life. That's Jesus, the church, the Old Testament saints, tribulation saints. We all go into the kingdom. Following the kingdom, there'll be a second resurrection of death, and that'll be the unbelievers. We've shown this slide before. I'm not going to go over it at all, hardly at all, but Jesus is the first to rise from the dead. The church is the second to be raptured, and then the, at the end of the tribulation, the resurrection, the Old Testament and tribulation saints, we all go into the kingdom, and then after the thousand years, then there's the resurrection of the unbelievers. We're going to see more of that when we get to the end of Revelation chapter 20 and before we get to the new heavens and the new earth. So let me give you quickly two applications. One, let's realize that Jesus Christ will rule the world from Jerusalem as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It'll be a new world. Believers will be serving. It'll be faithful. It'll be a thousand years. The church will be there. The Old Testament saints will be there. The tribulation saints will be there. The living believers will be there. Uh, there'll be the two witnesses will be there. The 144,000 will be there uh, of Jewish believers there, all of that will go into the kingdom and we'll get to be with him and he will rule in righteousness and justice. So just understand that. Here's the second thing. Let's believe in Christ, Jesus Christ for eternal life to be in the kingdom. It is faith alone and Christ alone. It is not our works or our goodness. It is only faith in Christ for eternal life. He has an offer. He says, I love you. I died for you. I paid for sin. I rose again. I conquered death. I'm offering to you a gift. And the gift is the gift of eternal life, and it's simply by faith. It is not our works or our goodness. It is faith alone and Christ alone for eternal life. May we never forget that.